Rogue Radio. Now available on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. Keep it rogue. What is going on, you vandals, vagabonds, and Into the Vansters? Welcome back to episode 49 of Into the Van. I'm sorry I've been gone. I said this last time, and I do really apologize. You know, I had a bit of a hiatus at the beginning of the year, and then a lot of personal things came up that just meant I had to kind of take a step back for a while. And I've had this podcast episode been in a hole in my pocket since we recorded it because I genuinely fucking love this dude, and his music is so fucking cool that it was a disservice to him to not have this episode out sooner, and I do apologize. Today we have Tan Sanders on. Tan is an old country artist from North Carolina, and his new album, which came out in April, which is called When Am I Going to Have My Day, is fucking phenomenal. I urge you to go check it out after listening to this podcast. But before that, how have you guys been? What have you been up to? I hope you've been doing okay. Um, I've been, you know, busy behind the scenes. I have to take some time away just to get my shit together for reasons but in between that you know we put a sold out show on with sierra ferrell in birkenhead with josh bettis opening uh, josh is going to be a guest on the podcast next um we've been gigging we've been playing festivals we've been doing more rogue stuff the rogue show is coming back uh, for we're aiming for every week and this is you know going to try and take it up a notch and keep it consistent which is the main thing so up next we have josh bettis and we also have Brittany collins as our next two guests on Into the Van, we are forging ahead and we are going to have regular podcast episodes because I've missed you guys and I've missed doing this and I've missed talking to amazing people. But this episode is brought to you by my single Mothman. I'm going to drop a little teaser for you now. I saw hope you dig it it's available on spotify we have t-shirts over on my band camp at mike333west.com and yeah i really enjoyed this and i've enjoyed working with rob who's a fiddle player on this we're bringing a drummer in we're going to be doing bigger and better shows i'm opening for bridge city sinners on the 8th of august in bradford at the underground tickets are still available this episode airs on the 1st of august so you have a week to get ready and come down and hang out with us But without further ado, let's get down to it, man. Today we are joined by Tan Sanders and also his friend and long-term collaborator Warren Davis. This was a great chat with the two of these guys to talk about the North Carolina scene, how they got started, and just a really fun chat. This is episode 49 of Into the Van with the incredible Tan Sanders from North Carolina and his amazing new album, When Am I Gonna Have My Day? Let's do it. I first saw, I think it was Didn't Agree to This on Reddit, the uh, video you did that was skateboarding as well. Was that, did that get much traction on Reddit and stuff? And have you found you get much traction through Reddit? Because it's a really interesting promotional thing. 
Yeah, it was kind of interesting, man, because I post a lot of stuff on Reddit. Just if I do something I think is cool, I'll be like, here's. <laughs> but that actually did get a little bit of traction, surprisingly. Mm. Normally, people on Reddit are like, fuck off, this sucks. Yeah. You know how Reddit is. <laughs> yeah. But- yeah, that's the thing. I think there's not many musicians. Like, obviously, there's a shit ton on Reddit. But when I speak to musicians, I'm like, do you post stuff to Reddit? They're like, no, I don't really get it and it's a really interesting thing because it's the most engaged audience i've seen even if it is like i put a video once and some guy was like this is the worst fucking thing i've ever heard it's something at least you know but even that's still something and it's just a really interesting thing but with obviously in your bio on instagram i love it's like not the best uh, country musician not the best skater but the best skater in country music what (laughs) what came first skating or country uh skateboarding mm. which i came from when i was younger i played in punk bands and yeah. hardcore bands and then kind of went to country music because like growing up in in the south here in america you know it's like country music is just part Everywhere. of the culture yeah yeah and like you like being a skateboarder growing up i hated it like i was like man i hate country music but then like you realize like this stuff is like part of this like culture here in the south yeah so then like then you get into people like Waylon and you're like, wait, this stuff's not that much different than like, like the punk ethos. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Man. I remember the thing that kind of made me realize was, I think it was Tony Hawk underground one or two where ring of fire was on the soundtrack. Yeah. And I think that was probably one of my first exposures to it. When did you start skating? I got my first pro board when I was in first grade. Mm. So long time ago. And I, I kind of gone through spells of, taking hiatuses but it's definitely been a big part throughout my life on and off Mm, cool man and like i've always loved skating but i've never been good at like i I had like (laughs) a cruising board for a bit i did like i think the my biggest point of pride was what i managed to ollie once and i did a tail slide once on a cab and that was like me achieving the fucking 900 and i was like i'm retiring (laughs) (laughs) I, that is a feeling you don't get from any other things of in skateboarding. It's like once you get that trick down, it's like wow, I actually did it and yeah. like keep you hooked. Yeah, no, definitely. And who are your skateboarding influences? I just watched the uh, "Until the Wheels Fall Off" documentary, the Tony Hawk documentary. I mean, yeah, I it. mm-hmm. oh, it's really good. And before that, I got heavily into like there was a few other docs, and there was like a Rodney Mullen one. So, who are like the pro skaters that you guys really enjoying have followed since like or when you picked up a board? Growing up was probably Andrew Reynolds and the Baker crew. Like when I was a kid and saw Baker three the first time, mm. it was like, oh, this is this is my shit. <laughs> you know, they're filming stuff and they got a lot of the hijink stuff in their videos. Like it felt like, I don't know, the Baker stuff is always different. Mm. And even with their newest video, they, they was well, shake jump, but it's pretty much the same crew. And they like DJ the entire audio for the video so it's like multiple things Mm. that go into it yeah for me it's like the new york people like really uh, yeah like cyrus bennett and uh max palmer those dudes like i don't know they just seem like just like people who just go to like a construction job and then get off and skateboard all day like that just seems cool man i think that's what i like about skateboarding the same thing when you see like someone play a guitar for the first time you realize how accessible it is because I know a lot of skating and skate videos back in the day, it was all like the skate parks and things. But when you see someone do something in the street, it's like, oh shit, that's that's possible though. And it's the same thing when you see just someone at like a bar playing with a guitar, you're like, oh fuck, that's 
achievable. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we've been talking about that because I want to film this video of just like dirty ass South, like little small towns in the South. And mm. like, it's just crusty shit. Like just the whole video filmed here just to show kids that live here. Like, oh, this can be done. Mm. Like you don't have to live in California or New York. Like you can go skate the shittiest stuff and still do something gnarly. Mm. And where are, where are you guys at the moment? North Carolina. North Carolina. Awesome. Is there much of like a skate scene there? Obviously, there's you guys have seen some of the videos and stuff, but do you have like a crew or like a groupie is that are all skating? Definitely in our town. There's definitely some towns like like where I grew up, like in Kinston, that doesn't have one at all. But mm. in Goldsboro, somehow there is there's definitely one. Like yeah, cool. all of our homies, like 10, 15 people that mm. would just go like to the DIY that we built and like mm. I don't know, like last week cook some deer burgers or something, just yeah. hang out, like <laughs> stuff skate scene for real. <laughs> Awesome. And where did you two guys meet? The skate the park. Skate park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally last year he was uh my friend Quinn called me, who was like both of our friends. He was like, Yo, dude, Tan needs a drummer like tonight. And I was like, What? <laughs> he was like, Well, I, he was like, I know you can play drums, so you just come play for him. And I was like, All right, it might suck, but I'll be there. Mm. So and now Quinn's cool. playing drums for us. Yeah, so we're move on to guitars. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And with starting off in punk was that like the first music obviously it's hard when you grow up around a certain type of music like obviously i'm just over the water from liverpool so i fucking hate the beatles but that's, Same, dude. Yeah. i'm glad you but, said that i want to hear from him as a fucking beat <laughs> but like because it was around me so much and whenever i went to school it was like write an essay on hard days night shit like Aww. that it's like you just get sick of the thing. Was that kind of what you hated about country music and like back in the day? Yeah, and I, too, I was growing up in the nineties where mm. country started to get real cheesy. You know, <laughs> it was kind of the point where things were starting to take that route, and I, I just didn't know. Like, I had heard of Waylon Jennings and stuff, but I had yeah. never took my own time to go dig through the mm. the good records. Yeah, <laughs> that is interesting that you said that. Like, I've never even thought about that. Like, for me, like, I didn't even know the Beatles really existed until, like, I was 15 or 16. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah that's, so, that's, like, that's so nice. Imagine I've been 15 years off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, but I, I know all the 90s country artists, so, like, that is probably why I hated country music. I still, like, don't listen to country music until he started showing me, like, stuff that I was like, oh, wait, this is actually pretty cool. Like, mm. some of this, the older stuff, like Hank Williams, like, I love, love him. Yeah. And, like, yeah, it's hard because if it's mainstream or it's forced down your throat in radio or whatever, you just get sick of it. And it's the same with like obviously the Mersey beat sound, like the pop sound, the country sound for people like yourselves. So was it punk? Like when did you first find punk and stuff? Because I remember my dad is a huge Dead Kennedys fan. So that's where yeah. I first found like punk and then I found Misfits from him and everything like that. What was, that was like, my entry point was the Misfits. Mm-hmm. I, I think I was like in the seventh grade and one of my friends brought a CD to work and I was like, oh, this is my shit now. <laughs> so then you go, you know, you listen to the Misfits and the Clash. You go through like first wave punk stuff and I started getting into Minor Threat and then mm-hmm. down the hardcore rabbit hole. Yeah. And cool, then I, you know, the early 2000s was all about metalcore and there was like Somehow, like Goldsboro's, like how many fifty thousand people? Like it's a small town. I don't even know if there's that many people. In and we had a metalcore scene and a skate scene, like in those years, and it was it was just weird. But yeah. there was several bands around here playing yeah. that stuff. That's awesome, man. I loved like the metalcore like era, and I just there's still some remnants of it, and there's still some pushing through. But what type of bands were you listening to as part of that scene? Did many come through the like your town? 
Uh, no, we we got to travel like an hour west mm. to, to Raleigh, the capital of the state, oh, yeah. to see the people that are. Um, yeah, but back then it was like Delaware's Prada. That was the time period I was growing up in. Mm. Orange, how, give me yeah. your name how old are you guys? I'm 29. And I'm 21. Oh, cool. I'm 31, so I think time a bit closer. Delaware's yeah. Prada era and early Kill Switch and when Avenged Sevenfold sounded completely yeah. different. Yeah, I remember getting that CD too. At the same time, I found the Misfits. What was it? The uh, what was the big one with the weird animation on the front uh, with Beast and the Harlot on it? Oh, uh, Back County. No, yeah, yeah. was that? Yeah, it was that Back County. Yeah, yeah. It's hard with those metalcore bands because it's like I remember Chimera had uh, their album from like two thousand and four, and to me, that's still like a new record because I remember buying it in the store. Yeah. and like for me, like. New Slipknot is anything past like subliminal verses, but that's been like twelve years, I think now, or even longer. Yeah, that we were talking about it the other day. Like it's Slipknot's been a band for over twenty years. Yeah, thing <laughs> yeah. I remember. I was, now. <laughs> yeah, I was I was talking to my wife about it, and we were like, you know what? I'm not. I don't think I'm that big a Slipknot fan. I've seen them like six times. And I really like this album. I really like that album. And then it dawned on us that we were fucking huge Slipknot fans just because <laughs> they've been with us since we were like kids. Yeah. Just grew up with them. <laughs> yeah, man. It's weird how like they just kind of stay with you and they've just con- been consistent for so long as well. They've just been like a staple of it. It's crazy. Yeah, that shit was sad about Joey Jordanson, man, because yeah. like legend. Yeah. That's the thing, especially when it's a young band or a relatively young band, like Slipknot's like our era, you don't think of that type of thing happening to people because it's that's like, oh, that's like Rush or, you know, even Kiss yeah. or someone that's like a, a dad band or like an older band. You don't think of like a modern quote unquote band having members who have like passed and it's obviously like Paul Gray and Joey. It's been fucking crazy. Yeah. Dude, I tell you, if you hadn't looked at him uh, talking about all this metalcore stuff, you need to look up this YouTuber named uh, Punk Rock NBA. Mm. He does all these historical deep dives on why these bands were successful and like the historical timeline of like how they did stuff. Like it's pretty interesting shit. Oh, sick, man. I have to check that. I've just watched, I don't know if you saw Lamb of God recently. Uh, Randy had like vocal issues or something and was off sick and had like a load of different musicians fill his place. And then um, Joe Bad from Fit for an Autopsy filled in. And he's done like a 25 minute video about like getting a call from Matt Heafy from Trivium and just like filling in, getting ready for the shows and shit. And it's so fucking cool to like see and watch. Like how they pulled it off. Yeah. And just like he had like him and his missus were just writing cue cards with all the lyrics to make sure he didn't like (laughs) miss shit. But Lamb of God was one of those bands in the metalcore era. And there was a magazine over here that were like the new Cowboys from Hell. And I was like, I'm never fucking listening to them. Because <laughs> how, <dare, laughs> how dare you insinuate there needs to be a new one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, man. But with punk, like, when did you first pick up a guitar? How old were you? This is where shit gets gnarly because uh, <laughs> we both grew up playing in churches. Mm. So, um, I don't know. I was probably 14, 13, 14 when I started doing that. Yeah. Um, and then shortly after that, I was probably about the same age when we started playing around making punk songs, mm. hardcore songs, mm. still playing at church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first lambs of God. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And was that the same with drums as well? Were you 
pick them up from an early age? Uh, me, yeah, drums were my first instrument, but I always kind of hated them. And then, like, I found a guitar in my mom's closet. And funny enough, like, the, his one of his best friends and, like, his guitar player, like, for the majority of the time, is the dude who taught me how to play guitar when I was, like, six years old. <laughs> so, like, it's, uh, it's so weird how it happens. Full circle. So, yeah. I've been playing guitar forever now. That's so cool, man. And who were, like, the guitarists that, like, inspired you? And then, obviously, when you, like, realized drums were necessary, because I assume everyone needed a drummer in your town. Like, it seems to be everywhere yeah. else. Drummers are a rare commodity. What was, like, who were the musicians that really, like, inspired you going forward? uh well for for guitar like I, it's definitely changed throughout the years so like it definitely started with like uh definitely like uh jimmy page and stuff like that but then here recently it's been more like johnny marr from the mm. smiths and like more of like one guitar player like carrying a band it's like yeah. our one guitar player is a songwriter who's just like so good at his job that he's like you don't even need to listen to anybody else like just whatever he's doing and obviously George Harrison, but you don't want to hear it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you ever yeah. seen Morrissey walking around town, man? No, I haven't. I assume, <laughs> I, I assume I'd hear the booze before I saw him. That's what <laughs> we love Morrissey over here. Misunderstood, man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, a while ago, um, I was meant to go to like a TV filming of something because it was happening in Liverpool. And when we were meant to go it was like the studio was full so they cancelled and as like a apology thing they were like if you can get to this pub in liverpool by this time and you're one of the first people there you can go in and watch some musician is performing and i was like oh sick let's go down and see who that is because like taylor swift was playing like the like arena like in town and we were like it might be here that might be fucking fun and uh, we went and unfortunately we were like Two, like there was two people before us and they got in and we like didn't but it was paul mccartney and i was like thank fuck <laughs> <laughs> i did not want to have to be like 20 people in a room pretending to give a shit about paul <laughs> like i would have i would have pretended i would have won an oscar for it but like i, <laughs> I would have been like i don't know any of these fucking songs yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm glad i'm glad you feel like this <laughs> yeah <laughs> How do you feel about Rolling Stones? I don't care about them either. I don't like that either. No, it's a weird one. It's like, I don't like Bruce Springsteen. I've, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of big bands that I, un, I 100% understand why they're important. And I 100% get why people love them. But I've just never given a fuck. And the Rolling Stones are one of them. That I, I always think the best thing the Rolling Stones ever did was pay for like the blues musicians' funeral costs. Like they paid yeah. for like Howlin' Wolf's headstone. They did shit like that. That's the thing I really respect them for. And taking Howlin' Wolf and Hubert Sumlin on tour with them. But I'd rather listen to Howlin' Wolf and Hubert Sumlin yeah. over the Rolling Stones any day. What about like the Velvet Underground? No. It's not a British fan. No, it's not. No. no, it's one of them. I remember I went to like an Andy Warhol exhibit and was like, cool. Like bananas yeah. or whatever it is on the like, yeah, that's Bob, I, I don't get that shit honestly i love the velvet underground but i don't get like the andy warhol thing no, i understand it was influential but like i don't yeah, get it that's the thing i understand the some of the hype around it but then i am just like I, it's just not hooked me in so that way i was talking to an american friend because he was sending me over stuff from like tom petty and bruce springsteen i was like i don't care <laughs> <laughs> like i get it and i know you love it but i've just not been 
brought up on it, so I just don't give yeah. a shit. And I've never listened to a song and gone, oh, awesome. Because some like I remember one of the first reviews I ever got as a musician, like mentioned Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska, and I was like, I've oh, no, I don't know. I've never had listened to that record in my life. I went back and listened to it. I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But is that kind of like with you guys, do you have those type of things? Obviously growing up in the South and stuff, you must have those type of artists around you that you don't really either care about. Or you've just not really found it into. Yeah. I mean, around here, pop country is king. Yeah. You know, when it comes, like we play and they're like, can you play? What's the dude's name that I say? Everybody Luke looks Collins. like, yeah. Like Luke Combs. Can y'all play Luke Combs? I'm like, man, I just wrote this song about time. I was sitting on the couch looking at a shotgun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like this is it. And you want me to play Luke Combs, but I, it's just pop country everywhere, man. Yeah. And, it, and then you hear like, I want to hear real country music. And then like, well, what do you think real country music is? And it's still like just some generic nineties bullshit. Like it's, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not very happy with the state of country music currently. And I, I think it's because of living here. Because when you're so around it and see yeah. what people like versus like don't, is, yeah. it gets it's, a little discouraging. Yeah, it's hard, man. And we've got kind of a UK country scene coming up. And there's a lot of people who think the pop scene is what country music is. Like I went to see a friend play who'd come over from Nashville and he fully admits he's not a country musician. He is like, delta blues southern gothic country rock to a push but he is not a country artist he's like i don't know country songs he doesn't know luke Combs or things like that and he played this gig and people showed up in fucking cowboy hats like plastic cowboy hats and things and were dressed up like that and the entire like music in the speakers before he went on stuff was just blaring pop country like there's a song called drunk on a plane i believe yeah oh no yeah so i was listening to that type of stuff as i was like and it was also, it was dead loud. I hadn't seen him in ages, so I just couldn't speak to him because this music was just blaring. But it is, that's the predominant idea of what country music is. And I remember I posted, I made like a country playlist from Spotify that I played while I was playing Tony Hawk's. And I was like, I'm going to share this to the Tony Hawk's subreddit because they might appreciate yeah. it. And it got shit on so hard. <laughs> Fucking just, Reddit, just, just because of the title of being like country. And I was like, but it's one of those things where if you play country or a near country, that's the first order people come into head. Do you have, obviously oh, yeah. you've said with Luke Combs and things, you have that image, even where you guys are playing. How do you kind of combat that? Do you just fucking crank the amps up and just do what the fuck you want anyway? I've been trying to be more selective about where we play. <laughs> that's kind of my best way to, because I mean, around here, there's a lot of like shitty bars out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but they're still kind of getting like, bad though like where they want to hear the same thing and especially like coming from two dudes who are wearing carhartt pants and skateboard brand (laughs) t-shirts like it's like who are these dudes and where are they coming from and why are they playing waylon jennings that's what it usually is like Mm. that's what it feels like anyways pretty funny but we like i like doing it yeah i mean sometimes they're fun and like my favorite thing is like when we walk in one of these places and they're like what kind of music do y'all play we're like country music they're like bullshit like y'all don't (laughs) like play country music and then (laughs) <laughs> we start playing the country shit they've heard in a while and i mean that's pretty fun mm. but I, I just we've been like last week we opened for a metal show so yeah. we i've been trying to be more specific about picking things because i mean there is a very specific group of people that we appeal to and I, it's not your typical country fan so i'm mm. just i'm trying to settle into that mindset yeah no that's awesome and that's totally the uh 
mindset to have. And like, I've done a lot of metal shows just playing as a solo acoustic artist and you get a better response from like a metal crowd than if you went to like a country gig, they'll just fucking sit there and hate you. But a metal crowd, I don't know if it's a bias from me being a metal fan, but I always think metal fans are more open to other genres than say like country fans or like a folk fan. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Also, I think they're like not not in like IQ stand like in musically they're probably like just like smarter and more open to like hearing something they don't like usually mm-hmm. listen to. Like that's how I feel like every time we play one of these metal shows, it's like yes, they might not understand like exactly what we're playing like from a like standpoint of like I don't really want to listen to this, but they always like actually listen. Yeah. Like and we say that all the time. Like if there's five people there that are listening and like actually thinking about what you're saying, it's better than playing to a hundred people at a venue somewhere that like just want to hear luke combs so yeah man i think with metal crowds it's like most metal music is not on the radio so people have to go looking for it and they've already got that mindset of looking for music while a lot of country fans if they are country fans who have just consumed radio it's literally just spoon fed to them and then anything that challenges what's not in the top 50 they're just like what the fuck is this Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a scary thought, even though like think about 30 years down the road, because like I was never been like a radio person. Like, I never listened to the radio. I've always like liked finding music yeah. or like, even if they're not like it's not like they're small, but like it's crazy that like there's definitely people nowadays that don't like probably that aren't from the UK who don't know who the Beatles are and probably will never know who they are or the Rolling Stones or any band from like now to like the 90s because they don't hear it like they yeah. just hear like whatever they play on the radio and that is what music is to them which yeah, is until it gets put in like a marvel film or something and then they suddenly realize like nirvana is something in the way suddenly <laughs> everyone's like oh my god this amazing song and it's just like oh it's just nirvana slow down calm your fucking tits <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what our van we we travel around and don't have bluetooth in it so we'll check the radio to see what's happening every now and then it always just ends up on a classical station every time <laughs> we'll play this game where we try to figure out if it's Christian music, country music, or pop music. (laughs) They all sound the same. I'm with the country music you guys play. So obviously you heard Waylon and stuff with, was he like the main influence for you as like to not necessarily become a country musician, but to start bringing country influences and writing that style. That was one of the first ones. Um, Recently it's been Jerry Reed. Mm. Um. Jerry's a big one. I this last record, I don't know. I was this last record was more inspired by literature than I would say a sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say Jerry Reed and Charles Bukowski was probably the main forces behind this last record. Mm-hmm. Cool man. And is there any like contemporary like country folks that uh, you've been listening to that you just really admired and not necessarily obviously you're talking about literary influences and stuff? Have they kind of bled in? Like any modern bands that you've been interested in and listening to? I like, um, I mean, obviously, Sturgill Simpson's great. And I think his Sound and Fury record was great because, yeah. like, he, he saw what was happening. Like, because the country music was like, we want real country music. And he puts out like this synth, like, weird <laughs> record, just like, nah, you're not getting it. And I, I really dug that. Yeah. Uh, Jason Isabel. Um, where are we at here? That's really about drive by truckers. I like drive by truckers. Um, the Smiths, the Smiths. Sorry. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, honestly, man, I don't listen to that much country music. Um, 
I'd go through spells with it. But contemporary wise, those would probably be my favorites currently. Uh, Margot Price, I love yeah. Margot Price. Um, I'd have to go dig through. Who's that head. girl who wrote that Sweet Tooth song? Oh, Brandy Carlisle. Yeah, yeah. she's cool. Yeah. Yeah, she did that record with uh, Shooter Jennings. Shooter Jennings is another one. Mm. But he's been around for a long time. Yeah, that's that's the thing. When it's like Jennings, it's like he's – it's weird because even though he's like the son, he's still had been like, what, around nearly 30 years or something? He's been around a long time. Yeah, I think his first country record came out in 2002, 2004, sometime in that time period. I've always said that Shooter was doing what Sturgill was doing 10 years before. Yeah. Shooter was really early to the game mm. to to start bringing back like some real spirit behind country music. Yeah, man. What I really enjoyed about Sturgill was like how he didn't give a fuck. And then I saw him live just before the pandemic, like in January of 2020. And yeah. he, he he tipped too far, man. He was like moaning about touring Europe and people not showing up and him losing money. And I was like, well, don't fucking come then. It was like, I get you want to be a rebel and you want to do what you want, but don't fucking slag off the people who have actually wanted to come see you right yeah but then, then I, I i still drove home listening to meta modern sounds i was like i'd probably let him <laughs> i'd still probably let him shit in my mouth because of this album being so fucking good who uh who toured with him in, in europe did and, tyler childers go no it wasn't tyler tyler toured on his own like headlining like a week or two before i don't even think he had an opening act i can't remember one, it was literally just him and his band doing like a rock set of his songs for like two hours. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him in March of 2020, like two weeks before everything shut down. And he actually had COVID when we saw him. And that was, yeah, and he didn't know it, but it was, it was a sick show. I really liked it. And he said, so Tyler Childers played and like he's blowing up here. Like, yeah. Even the pop country people love Tyler Childers. Mm. It's kind of made me not like Tyler. Ch- I like him, but I like yeah. when they're like, play Tyler Childers. Like, fuck it. But he, <laughs> uh, he goes on and starts doing a Sound of Furies sound and uh, gets to the first song when people are leaving. And he's like, don't miss the party walking out the door, cowboy hats. And like, I was <laughs> sold, man. I was like, that's the best shit I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the important thing. I think when you're just like, it's my show. Like he has to fucking look himself in the mirror after he's played that gig and make sure he's done what he wants. Cause it's horrible being like the fine line between art and commerce where it's like, yeah, people have paid and people should have a, an experience, but it's also fuck you. I want to do what I want. Cause it's my music. Yeah. And that's what he's always been about. I mean, he he'll delete his Instagram. Like no one, he's probably on the side of a mountain somewhere building a, a tent yeah. sleeping yeah. in it. Right now. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. I see a lot of artists like who are younger and are coming up being like, well, Stagel doesn't have to do Instagram. And I'm like, he released yeah, high top. Yeah, yeah, you have to do Instagram and you have to do Facebook and you have to play the game because you didn't do modern sounds and country music. So yeah, do your TikToks and shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, that's why we that's what I use skateboarding for to a certain extent. Because mm. I mean, we all know posting your song is not gonna get it played. Yeah, you know, it was just gonna say, "Oh, great, there's this shit again." But I feel like if you can combine something visual that you really care about with your music, yeah, you got a little bit better chance of getting somebody to actually follow through. Yeah, hundred percent. That is one hundred percent why I'm talking to you guys now because I saw you post up the video for "Didn't Agree to This," and I it was while I was like in the middle of my skateboard documentary phase as well. So I was like, "I have to fuck perfect time." Yeah. Really. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I think it definitely helps with engagement, though. Yeah. 
Even though it does paint us in a smaller corner. (laughs) Do do you think that's true? Or do you think it gives you like the first niche window in, but then it can kind of, it's like. I'm hoping that's the case. Because I have noticed more country music and skate, recent skate videos. Mm. And I think it is a thing. I just, I I don't know if we got there too early or what's going to come from it, but hopefully, because I mean, like, I'd say of every full skate video I've seen that came out in the last two years had maybe not everyone, but a lot, a good majority has had one country song in it. Yeah. And I think it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, man. It makes sense because it is like a growing demographic and the line between country and punk is quite close, obviously with what you guys are doing with what like Hank four is doing. There is that kind of blaring of lines where it can be like hard and fast and honest and perfect to skate to. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that, Hank, for his two new, or he's got three singles out now. Yeah. But it's like doom metal and country. Like, I, I really dig what he's doing. Yeah. When the like overdriven telly came in, I was like, fucking thank God, whoever put this together. <laughs> I was, I immediately started Googling telecasters and like what I can fucking run one through because I was like, I need that type of sound. That's why in my latest track, I put a breakdown in it. So like it quiets down, and then the cymbal ride starts coming in. And I was like, I have to just fucking bring that heaviness to it. You can do a lot of shit with a telly, man. Yeah. I know a bunch of hardcore bands that play with tellies. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, it's like um, Jim Root from Slipknot plays a telly. They are a workhorse of an instrument. Yeah. It's the only that, guitar I'll play. That neck's just so fast. Mm. I don't do anything with it. I play like four chords. But Warren does. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with the new album, you're talking about literary influences. What was the thought process or when did you realize that that was becoming such an influence on the album? Was that like the writing side of things? Oh, yeah, big time. Most of my songs start, I'll write poems. And in Mm. fact, I've got like a 30-page book of poems that didn't make the cut for the album. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I'd love to put it out one day as like a chat book or something. Mm. But um, everything, I start lyrics first, typically. Unless I write like a cool riff, which is mm. very rare. <laughs> but normally it starts as poetry. Mm. If I could sell poetry, I'd probably never pick guitar up again. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I like playing music. But yeah, I was just really into Charles Bukowski over the last two years. Mm. And then that got me into reading some Schopenhauer philosophy and different philosophy books, Camus, which that was a little bit after the record had been written. But yeah. Mm. And what was it from those philosophy books that kind of you took away from it and realized you could use for your music or that impacted you in like your life going forward for those two years? The philosophers just kind of put like thoughts I had had in Mm. a better literary sense than what my redneck mind growing up in the South could put it into, you know, like it was a little bit more of an educated opinion. Yeah, of its existence. Like that's, I mean, didn't agree to this. Is just Schopenhauer. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, that makes sense, man. It's like the same thing. I remember I was like kind of reading like Buddhist philosophies and things. I remember reading one thing of being like bringing it back to the Rolling Stones. They like they've got a song that has the perfect um, Buddhist mantra in it, where it's like can't get no satisfaction. And yeah. it's one of those things where it's like the same thing. It's like when I'm gonna have my day from you guys. It's it's those questions that are phrased in such a way that like echo from like even those teachings like thousands of years ago of like that kind of Zen mind of being aware of what you have and knowing that is like kind of fleeting and you can just keep going forward. 
Sure. And, that, you know, there is a lot of dark subject matter on the record, but I tried to always bring it back to like a positive point at some point, you know, mm-hmm. like you, and that's kind of like that hardcore punk mindset is like, you can get through this shit. Yeah. You're just going to have to work for it and come to terms with it on your own time. Mm. No, that makes total sense. When I'm with obviously going from the poems, when do you kind of write the music and when do you start bringing it to the rest of the band, like Warren and starting to like embellish it and get it bigger? This record, I pretty much, I wrote most of the chord progressions besides a few without Warren. And then I'd give them to him and he would fix the songs. <laughs> He's a better musician here. So I'd show it to him and then we'd build off of it from there. And I mean, on the record, we did pretty much everything. Um, my buddy Jay Carnegie that he was talking about played or taught him guitar lessons, played on a few songs and did some harmonies. Mm. But it was pretty much just us sitting in the back of my house working these songs out for months. Mm and laying them down we did um how we recorded it was was he would sit in one room and drums and then i would stay in the other room with acoustic and i would sing and play it so it kind of has that live feel yeah but by the end of it all of it was gone except for like the drums yeah so it would be like he would do that and then we would just like over top of the drums just figure out how the song was supposed to go and then he would mm-hmm. sing all of us kind of the easiest way to do it i think when you can't have a whole band to do yeah. it cool man and how long did the recording process take we started we really started in may finished in G- the end of june for the most part yeah we did all, we did the meat of it and then i think we finally finished wrapping everything you know, up it by might not have been that long like when we had all of the songs done because like at the time like i pretty much had quit my job i was living in raleigh and i just kind of like I was like, dude, I cannot move back with my parents. Can I just live on your couch? He was like, yeah, just come live on the couch. So, like, I didn't have a job. I was just playing music with him at random bars. So I would get all the shit ready. He gets off at 3.30. He's home by 4. From 4 to, like, 9 o'clock at night, we're, like, we were just in there, like, working the record out. So it really wasn't even – probably didn't even take a month to have the shell of the record done, you know? Just yeah. vocal takes and like you know how it is with up. records too. Like if you need help from somebody else, like musicians are flaky. Yeah, that is literally the, that literally was the problem. So we're waiting for people to come back in on just stuff yeah. that we could have done, but it'd be better if we got such and such to do it. Yeah, man, it's hard and it's like it's heartbreaking when you realize that no one gives a shit about your project more than you do, and yeah. it's like it's an, like it's a constant truth. But it's hard to wrap your head around that you're writing these songs and you're wanting to play live. And it's like, I really fucking care about this. And then you'll have like one member of like the band be like, I'm getting my head on when you book that gig. So I'm not going to go to it. And I don't really want to yeah. fucking do it anyway. And you're like, how can you not want to do this? And it's it's the pro- like age old problem for so many bands when you have like that internal struggle. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's what that's one thing I'm glad I learned from playing in punk and hardcore bands is like we play with our friends. Yeah, we don't play with who's the better musician. Mm-hmm. Like if it comes down to playing with your friend or somebody that's a great musician, you play with your friend. Yeah. And, yeah, you might pay for that later. You know, I mean, <laughs> but at least you're having a good time and, you know, your friends are going to give a shit about what you're doing. Yeah. So I see that happen a lot around here. People go hire musicians and it's it's just like you were saying, like they don't give a shit. Like it's all about the check. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he's still gonna make the money. <laughs> yeah, a check will no, be nice. Right. 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 Yeah. A check given by a friend to a friend is a better check than a check to a hired gun. 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but with the playing live, so do you mainly play around like your hometown, North Carolina, up to Raleigh and stuff, or have you just traveled further upfield? Yeah, we we've played around North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia. Um, it's really hard to get money out of people right now, mm. like to be able to at least cover getting yeah, places. Man. Yeah, I mean, we got a, a Ford Econoline that loves to drink fuel. Mm. So, but yeah, we we've had a harder time too because we we've been since COVID we've been taking a lot of cover shows. Like, we'll say we're a cover band and go in and still do our songs just so we're playing. Yeah, and I mean they pay better. Yeah. But yeah, and what's the reaction like when you like go into a like a cover gig and then you start playing like alligator? Um, normally it's all about, you know how it is with crowds. Like if I can, I can judge a crowd by what cover songs they like, and then mm-hmm. I can kind of slip one in here and there and tell a stupid little story about it. And sometimes mm-hmm. some people dig it. And sometimes, you know, you're playing to the back wall. So yeah. also notice that like, sometimes we'll go somewhere and we'll like, no one will be responding to us. So we'll just stop giving a shit and we'll just be like fucking around for three hours. <laughs> And then that makes people like come up to us and be like, yeah. "Yo, like, what's your like? You said like, how can I find you guys? Because it's yeah. just like rather funny. Like, <laughs> like we're just literally not paying attention to anything. We sang a song for like four minutes the other night about Ukraine and Russia, <laughs> just like off the dome. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that works. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I know if I walked in and saw somebody doing that, I'd dig it. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on right now, Eric Andre? Yeah. No, that's awesome. Is it mainly you go out with the band or do you, do you do many solo shows or is it? I quit doing solo stuff. It, it was just soul crushing. Like the good ones were fun, but like when you're up there and things are not going like you want, it's just, I always at least take one with me. Yeah. And what was it about? Like, what was it? Was it just the apathy or like the reaction to it, like with the same type of cover sets? Or was it like, what was it that was so soul crushing about like doing the solo gigs? Well, it just, like yeah, pretty much the cover shows are the ones. Like if I if it's a like a singer songwriter night, I'll go do that by myself. Like those are fun when people actually give a shit about like original music. Mm. But like playing a bunch of bar gigs, at least like if you're up there by yourself, you ain't got nobody to fuck around with. Yeah. Like if we're up there, we can at least make jokes yeah. to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hours pass a little quicker. Yeah. Yeah. How does it work in England? Like do do y'all have the like cover sets and um. Yeah, so I've I'm in the same boat. I, I'm predominantly a solo artist. I have a fiddle player I do duo gigs with, and I have a band I'm putting together for like bigger shows. But um, I've stopped doing pub gigs and things because it is they just expect Ed Sheeran and fucking yeah. Beatles and Oasis and all that type of stuff, and I just don't fucking play those songs. Yeah, so um, I just don't do that type of thing. But it is you know the cover especially with acoustic guitars like people expect you to just be able to pull out every song in the world out your ass to play right. those gigs and the tribute scenes really big here so like the uk foo fighters can sell out like decent venues like the pink floyd tribute act sell out arenas around here like it's Same really here. they yeah. literally do it here too it's so wild to me like yeah I'm- there's beautiful videos of Pink Floyd playing on YouTube. Why don't you watch that? Like, yeah. <laughs> pretend to be Pink Floyd. Yeah, I love the ones that actually dress the part. Yeah, dude. That there's a one. What's that one Led Zeppelin cover band that played like the night after us oh, at the Lincoln? I, I forgot what. Yeah, yeah. But they actually my friend went. They up. said they were crazy good. Like they were mm-hmm. really spot on. But I just don't know if I could do it, man. 
<laughs> yeah, no. definitely. <laughs> it's just that thing where it's like for me, it is just selling your soul. And I get people have this like blinkers on, especially when you're a musician, they want to be a musician at any cost. And it's if they want to be doing like it's just like it, they'll be like, Well, I'm doing a cover gig, I'm still getting paid to play music. And yeah. that is understandable, and you can kind of get that, but that's where kind of I always kind of separate like the performer from the artist. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, you can be a musician, you can play that type of stuff, and you'll get paid well for it, and you can do that, but you aren't, you know, you aren't creating art, you aren't being a musician with your own voice, and that's where I'd rather not get paid and do a gig that I fucking don't want to kill myself at the end of. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we it's the exact same thing, man. It goes back to what you were talking about too, like the art versus commerce, like or like I watched a video a couple of weeks ago, like like in the modern age, like art versus like content creation. Yeah. I was like, damn, like that is true. Like a lot of how these, like if you look at like TikTok musicians or something like that, like that's how they get so big. It's like, they play the numbers game. It's like, Oh, this song makes me, makes more people want to like my videos. Like I'm going to make more of that song. And it's like, then, then you're all going down a not very good road. It's like, we're going to end up like all music sounds the same. Like, what are we doing here? Like you're not doing to further like innovate you know i don't like that yeah no exactly and that's like like i do like marketing and stuff and content is like a kind of like a soul destroying word to like where it's like i'm i'm creating content and it's like well shouldn't you create art first if you're a musician and stuff you should be creating art not content making art not friends according to stagel but it's one of the it's one of those things where people want to just make it so badly that they don't care about the content they're putting out. Right. Yeah. You get in that YouTube algorithm. Yeah. You know, I got to upload twice a week. Yeah. And that's the thing. I feel like, I feel like at least the way I've been looking at it from like thinking about like, what do we put out with the record is like, what would the replacements put out with a record? (laughs) Like literally what would they do? Some dumb, like go burn a Telecaster. Yeah. Yeah like just some off the wall shit which also gets people's attention though like even if you're like a skate video with country music what like the people on it so that's cool yeah but that's the interesting thing and what i liked about you guys was it was sincere it wasn't like you realized that a tony hawk documentary was coming out or skateboarding was going to be in the olympics and it was going to be coming up on that kind of like zeitgeist again you guys are just like we love fucking skateboarding we play country music and we're just going to combine the two. It wasn't like, you know, you didn't have any like setup or feel like it was forced in any way. And, you know, you can see when people try and do that type of thing. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I, that's one thing we hate as skateboarders and see is people using skateboarding yeah. as a prop. That's yeah. a big, big thing. Big thing. Really? Yeah. Like these big companies will like try to stick their hand into skateboarding's asshole for money. Like <laughs> it happens all the time. So like, to, and I and there's even people who do that with videos like uh like Nike videos. They all feel like this mass produced like thing that just feels so bland. Which is why like I was talking about earlier, like the New York dudes like Max Palmer and like them like small companies that aren't making any money, but like they're the core of skateboarding. Like mm-hmm. you're the, these are the people who are like really keeping skating alive, and it's like that's what I like better, and that's what I feel like is going to keep skateboarding as relevant as it could be, not the Olympics in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Which we were about to get kicked out of a spot the other day. 
And this old guy comes out. He's like, y'all jumping off that? I'm like, yeah, man. He's like, man, y'all might be in the Olympics one day. I was like, damn, this shit actually paid off for once. <laughs> yeah. No way. That's like for skateboarding, the new version of you should go on America's Got Talent or something. That's like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, that shit. Because, I mean, we were all bad mouth the Olympics. And then that happened. I was like, man, maybe this wasn't such a bad thing. <laughs> What would Andy Roy say? He'd be pissed. Yeah, Andy Roy would be pissed. I'll take that back. (laughs) With, like, just to mention, like, with skateboarding kind of being cyclical, I was obviously watching Tony Hawk documentary. I was listening to him on the Mark Maron podcast, and you see, like, the waves of skateboarding coming in from, like, the 70s with Peralta through to, like, the 80s and then late 90s, mid 2000s. And then do you feel it's on its, like, an upturn again in terms of, like, pop culture and where it is? I think it's been on one. I think it's on the way down. Oh, really? Yeah, I think the Olympics thing was kind of like a weird peak. And I mm. and I don't know this for a fact, obviously, but like, and I feel like it's going to like tra- in popular culture is probably going to decline again because it's, I, mean, ha- I mean, isn't there a saying that like things only like really are popular for like 10 years and then people get kind of bored of it. Mm. And skateboarding has been pretty hot for like 10 years um, since 2012. Like, yeah, Spike Jones was doing all those videos like it's been it's been pretty popping and then you even see it in like uh the 90s like skateboarding was like pop culture like icon skateboarding 90 like three through like 2003 four five and like like i me as a skateboarder can barely even name like five really good videos from like 2005 Mm. maybe mystery the black and white video that was like around that time or was that earlier no that's around that time baker three was around then too yeah and then, like, then, like, you got, like, the 2008, 9, 10, kind of when it started coming back up, like, fully flared, all these things that Spike Jones, like, they're literally just movies. Mm. And then, like, from then, again, like, now skateboarding is in pop culture again. And it's been like that, I feel like, since then, since 2012. Mm. Just going up and up and up. And I think it's probably going to fall back down here in a second, which is, there's good, good size to that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, the punks in you are just really happy to just be like watching it on its way down. So you can be like, we're still fucking doing it, guys. We got that poses. It does get annoying though trying to skate at a skate park and all these annoying dudes are there like throwing their shit around or taking a candle and just waxing the shit out of something that doesn't need to be waxed. My favorite thing is kids like the content creation in skateboarding is terrible. Mm. Like we'll go to the skate partners, 30 kids rolling around filming everything they do. And it's just like, man, learn the trick first. Yeah. Like spend some time. You don't have to take three <laughs> hours to try if you know how to do it. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're not I mean, I I want to see people get into skateboarding too. Like I want yeah, the like, industry to thrive. Every mm. time there's a kid like that are just at the skate park, because at the end of the day, it's our job to like keep those these kids, these local kids like from t- like going towards like the competition route, like the annoying well in my opinion the annoying part of skateboarding you know mm-hmm. like it's our job to keep like make them understand like that this sounds stupid like that sounded stupid but that, well, it's, it's like, like you, it's like you were saying earlier with the being a content creator yeah. being an artist like yeah. that same thing exists in skateboarding 100 yeah you know, it's, yeah it's hard man because like in anything whether it's like metal country music skateboarding there's always like gatekeepers and sometimes they're absolute dicks and it'll stop like a woman wearing a band shirt and be like name fucking five songs from them right now. But then it's also like, are you just doing it? Like people just asking, are you doing this sincerely? Are you doing this authentically? If not, go fuck yourself. 
Yeah. And it's it's a hard line to balance sometimes of like not necessarily gatekeeping something, but making sure that the thing you love is protected from people just trying to exploit it and take advantage, like the Nike commercials and stuff, where you yeah. don't want to see the thing you love just mined for every bit of yeah. sustenance. Because the sad part is like, like the Olympics is bringing skateboarding notoriety and it's getting more people into skateboarding, which I love to see. But at the same time, like it's not keeping the economics of skateboarding alive, you know, like the, mm. the people doing that are like your local shops who are like supporting these skateboard brands because the Olympics isn't scared, isn't selling boards, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of like what, what I'm trying to say is like, just try to keep like your skater owned businesses alive. You know, yeah. and that's why you don't want to try not to support certain companies, but like not Nike really in particular, because they've done a, a lot yeah. like for the skate community, you know? So I think that just makes the story. Like, yeah. Fuck don't Karyuma. buy Karyuma Don't shoes. buy it. Yeah, if you're watching this shit, <laughs> you got Karyuma's on, you're getting clowns. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's like the thing is, it's like when you just see people taking advantage of stuff, but with obviously going forward with your music and, because I, I was listening to A Look Through Cynical Eyes, which was the 2017 record. Were you both working on that as well? I had no idea what I was doing. And I probably should take that offline. <laughs> but I mean, I like it. It's just like historical stuff. But that was me first dipping my toes in the country music. Mm. Or I didn't even uh, know Tan existed then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was my first experience of writing anything country related at all. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely some green there's a, there's a lot of good songs in there still though mm. i think i mean it'd be cool maybe to go back and redo yeah. them one day mm. no I, I was listening to and i enjoyed it and i enjoyed having it as like i was listening to like when am i gonna have my day and going back to that you could see the confidence in like your voice and your songwriting and your technique and stuff in your new album and you see like not necessarily that it's not confidence but you see the growth from it and i think that's really important to have online where you can enjoy those like recordings and they still have that thing that can catch listeners, but then you listen to how far you've come as well. And I really enjoyed what you've got up on Spotify. Don't take any of it down. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it. <laughs> you know how it is listening on your music, you know, yeah. like you'll hear something like, man, Ray Wiley Hubbard said something about that one time. He was like, be careful what you write. Cause you're going to have to play it the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was my first. I, I pretty much played everything on that record. Like I was just, I didn't really have any friends in country music at that time besides Jay. Mm. And but it was it was a learning experience. Yeah, <laughs> everything's been DIY. So. Yeah, that's the best way to be, man. And with this new record, what are your plans? Are you going to look at touring it? Are you going to go out of state and try and get onto some tours and things? Or what's kind of like your plan for this year with it? We, we've been playing around here a lot locally. Um, we stay pretty, what did we do? 120 shows last year. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that like I would. A lot of those yeah. didn't count. Cause a lot of those were just cash grabs, yeah. but <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much how we've been pushing it. Um, I would love to take it on the road, but I've still got a day job right now. So it's kind of like when we can do it. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll get to that point. Someone someone called me right called us right now. We'd go though. Oh yeah, we get in the van I'd, right now. I quit my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool man. And have you been writing anything new for like a follow? Obviously, this only came out like a couple of weeks ago, so I don't want to be like, when's the new thing right now? But have you been writing still for after this record? Yeah. We've uh, we started writing a hardcore EP. Nice. Uh, 
So we're, we're going to put out probably four or five songs that are like minor threat, hardcore songs, like <laughs> old school. Hard. I needed something to, you know, freshen up the palate. Yeah. We've been doing the country thing for a while and I just wanted to switch it up. But I think even if you listen to the first, like look through cynical eyes and then you listen to the new record, like I feel like it would, it's kind of a, a pretty nice progression. Like, like that you can kind of see where we're yeah. kind of you're leaning more towards that scene anyways. And all the people who like us, are from that scene anyways so right yeah like no, it, it makes sense man. Listen to anyways so it's like yeah. why and, not no and you can release an anime with it as well you can make it a whole thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> i want to do something with all sturgill i want to do something with like old uh cgi like from like this like the the 70s 80s how sick is that like the old creepy cgi mm. i want to make something and put it as a it's gonna be gnarly <laughs> But yeah, when I saw Hank Ford's new stuff, like I was like, there might be an, a market for this stuff. Like, you yeah. know, he's he's keeping it more on like the doom metal side of stuff. But if you can do country with doom metal, why can't you do country with hardcore punk? Hundred percent, man. Have you ever been to like Muddy Roots or got involved with those guys? Uh-uh. Like uh, Muddy Roots is in Tennessee. I I have no idea about the state, so I don't know where that is in comparative to you guys. It's just, I'm going there on this weekend. Yeah, it's like so. three hours from us. <laughs> oh, yeah. cool. So, so uh, they've got Muddy Roots, which is like their festival where they have like Amigo the Devil. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. They had Hank Four played. Then they had like, they've had hardcore and punk bands play alongside. I think they had Ghostface Killer there. They had one of the Wu-Tang Clan there. Like it's right. rooted in country and roots, but then it's fused with like punk and everything. So if you just haven't, head of those guys have gotten such that they'd fucking eat you up for like next yeah. year or something i need to check that out mm. see how we get in there yeah yeah speaking of hip-hop i was at freddie gibbs last night so oh, yeah. i'm drinking pre-workout right now to keep, <laughs> keep going mm. and what's the kind of like country scene for you guys obviously you're talking about the pop country crowd stuff is there a growing like alt country scene around you guys so back Ron Adams and Whiskey Town, like back in the nineties, Raleigh was like they call it the birthplace of alt country, mm. and cause of Whiskey Town. But it's really fallen off. It mm. seems like there's a few clubs that still do it, and like when the big national tour acts come through, like they always do well. But like locally, it, there's not much anymore. Mm. There's people playing the act, you know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's a lot of people playing, and it, that's almost why I don't even like the term alt-country anymore. I mean, it makes sense because that's what it is, but it's just become such a cliche here. Yeah. It's like what you were talking about. Like, let's go wear our, like, skinny jean boots, cowboy hat. Let's yeah. go play dress up for three hours and then go home. Like, super lame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so really just started having the last few years of where yeah. it's really gotten watered down. Cause like you see like Waylon Jennings do that and you're like, see, that makes sense. Like you make sense wearing that. Like, did you live in the suburbs of Raleigh? Like that don't make sense. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like you're pretending to be someone you're not. Yeah. That makes sense, man. With what you guys do talk about country and stuff. Is there a term, like when you're uploading it to Spotify, what's the kind of like genre boxes you guys are taking and what are you? pushing yourself us I, I still use country and alt country just mm. to try you know how hard it is to get on yeah. this playlist and I, I try to do everything i can to get on this playlist and it hadn't worked yet but that's what we put it up yeah. as yeah 
It's so hard, man. Have you used Submit Hub? Oh, yeah. 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 I hadn't really pushed this new record on there any. Mm. Um, you know, like three years ago, I was getting really good streams off Submit Hub, but it seems like the last few years it's kind of fallen off the ones when I get accepted. Yeah, they've really like increased the paywall to it where it's like they have to use premium credits and you have to do this and you have to fucking stand on one foot while you apply for it for some reason because yeah. it's just the restrictions they're trying to make into those things is crazy. There's got to be a new one coming out soon. Like, yeah. there's got to be a market for it. Mm-hmm. But I, I love Submit Hub like when it was fresh. Like, it worked good, but it just yeah. seems like it's kind of falling off. And I, you know, I know a lot of these. You got to be careful with the submission things because you're paying for plays. And, yeah. But this record, I've just kind of taken the Charles Bukowski method of like, it's, if people don't hear it, that's fine. I put it out. If they find it 50 years from now, cool. Yeah. And, you know, it's like the Stoics said, like, as, as long as you can be proud of your work, then you did your best. So you should mm-hmm. be happy with it. And that's what I feel like we did with this record. Yeah. Well, that seems to be the perfect place to end this because obviously you fucking posted it and I found it. So you chanted to some guy. from Hell yeah, it now, So it went <laughs> to some degree. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. You ever going to come out to the States and play any? I really want to. It's so expensive to do. And it's yeah. it's so dangerous to do if I did it without a visa because I've heard horror stories. Like I had a friend who is in a punk band from North Wales and he flew over to the States to tour and they caught him at the border and shipped his ass back to Europe, but they didn't even send him back to the UK. They sent him to Iceland and then we'll like figure it out. So yeah. Yeah. So I really want to come over to the States, but it's just one of those things where I don't think it's, feasible it's even i'm part of like the musicians union and i messaged them because they help with visa applications and they were like yeah you ain't famous enough to do this yet yeah so i need like national coverage and things but it's like how do i get national coverage and people to give a shit without talk like it's the chicken egg thing yeah exactly yeah you guys if if there's anything you can if we can help you out anyway like just let us know because i mean we'd love to help you get over here if we can yeah no that'd be awesome are you guys looking at coming over to europe or the uk anytime soon I'd love to, but it's kind of like you were saying, it's like yeah. chicken and egg. Like I, I don't want to go over there and play to the wall, yeah. <laughs> but I, I've never even thought about the visa thing though, man. That's gnarly. Yeah. Like, yeah. It seems to be, if it's an American coming here, it's easier. But for some reason, whoever made the trade deal was like, yeah, just fuck the British artists coming over and just see how much yeah. you can rinse them from. It's the Beatles, man. The fucking Beatles did it, bro. Yeah, man. It was just everyone scared yeah, of the British invasion. Right. <laughs> i'm gonna blame the beatles for it <laughs> yeah they just fucking snuck in i was listening to i don't want to name drop too hard i was on the jerry springer podcast the other day oh fuck yeah <laughs> and he was talking about how the beatles happened and the rolling stones happened because of the jfk assassination because there was like a ban on music in the states after he was killed oh didn't like know. i didn't know about I knew the one in 2001, but I, I have never researched that one. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, obviously, they lived through it, so they must have known something. Yeah. But there was, like, a nine-month period after JFK was assassinated where they couldn't put any popular music out. So, basically, America's music output just went dark. Then Christmas came, and they had, like, some Christmas songs. And then after that, kind of, like, the Beatles and the Stones came over and flooded the market. So, it's one of those weird things. So, it, it, most things is the Beatles' fault, I feel. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna stick with that. Yeah, <laughs> but I was dying to like make a joke and be like, "So does Lee Harvey Oswald get 10 percent of the Beatles sales?" <laughs> <laughs> I 
I just didn't think it was the time or place to do it. <laughs> funny. You should have, man. <laughs> like, was he suddenly like their rap or something? <laughs> Damn. The Rolling Stones definitely got so much traction because they were so fucking crazy. Like the same thing you see now with rappers, like, mm. like what gets the most traction? It's like, it's like in the nineties when it started, it was kind of like, like punk rock NBA has a video about this, that he was, is was it them or was, yeah, it, it, was uh, it was him like about why rock and roll died and how rap came up. And it's just cause like, I mean, what was the Rolling Stones doing? They were causing riots in Warsaw, like mm. making like the Polish and the iron curtain, like made, like let them come play. And they just the might Altamont. have started the Polish re- revolt. Like, <laughs> That's cool as shit. Like, I yeah. want to know what's going on there. You know, yeah. it's definitely happening. Yeah, man. It's yeah. whenever a genre starts getting safe that, like, something else has to happen. Because, like, sure. hair metal and everything was getting safe. And then the Norwegians were like, we can fucking top this. Yes, we can burn churches and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ask our bandmates to commit suicide. Now we got, now we got, now we got music. Yeah. And it's the same thing with country because it was safe. And then, obviously, rock and roll came. And I feel like there is an edge coming back to what country can be but it's taken so much from like hip-hop and like doom and hardcore so you've got like hang for and like you guys coming through where it's taken so many influences and it's got that edge back to it again but without having like burn churches or assassinate a president or some shit allegedly allegedly (laughs) (laughs) yeah country music does definitely need a breath of fresh air because i mean there's not much new stuff you can do with with the template yeah I mean, how much more pedal steel do we have to hear? Yeah, I love pedal steel, but like, let's, where can we take it? Yeah. You know, like every, like, I don't want to see country music die. No. And if we just keep remaking records that were made 50 years ago, I mean, what's changing? Mm. You know, so I really want to see like a breath of fresh air from these influences from other genres mm. come into country music and like, where can we take it? Yeah. In an organic way, not mm. like, how can we get streams away? Yeah, no, 100%, man. That's, like, how it's got to be. Maybe, like, a pedal steel needs to run through, like, a whammy pedal and a tube screamer yeah. or something. Just to... talking about it. We're really <laughs> talking about it. Yeah, like, if you could do, like, dimes harmonics on a pedal steel and we can start seeing how we can fuck things up. Dive bomb with the pedals. <laughs> it actually would be sick. It might work. Yeah, it might work. <laughs> cool, guys. Well, are you going with the rest of your day? And thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And there we have it, folks. That's episode 49 of Into the Van, Into the Bag. Please go check out Tan Sanders' new album, When Am I Going to Have My Day? It is truly brilliant. I really enjoy this record. I've been listening to it. We've played it on Rogue Radio. And I really think if you like myself, if you like this podcast, you're really going to dig it. So go check it out. Up next for episode 50, we've done 50 of these fucking things, will be Josh Bettis, my uh, old friend and partnering crime over at rogue country and i really hope you stick around for that but in the meantime come hang out with me in bridge city sinners in bradford on august the 8th tickets are still available support the things you love listen to the things you love and just keep being the awesome person that you are till next time guys peace